0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Wow, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Uh, I am excited about what God is doing. It's a great Sunday. Uh, There's a lot of reasons to celebrate. So if you see uh, J.O. and Janine, you can wish them the 61st anniversary. Isn't that great? (laughs) I love that. Uh, I want to I talk to you uh, about a, a few moments uh, on the topic of placing your all on the altar. I know when, when my kids were little, one of them, and I won't, oh, well, it was Jessica. Um, by the way, she's expecting a little girl. Uh, so that's awesome. I love that. Uh, you know, the boys in our family are just way outnumbered. So. But when she was little, She, when we'd go swimming, she loved her floaties. You know, the floaties that you either put around your waist or you put them on their arms so they can swim above the water. It's before they learn how to swim. And because she always uh, was a little bit terrified of going under the water, so she wanted to stay on Top of the water. I mean, she would have done really well swimming in, in the Dead Sea because there's no way in the world you can sink in the Dead Sea. It's just absolutely incredible. But, but you know, there was one day that, that I was trying to teach her to jump off the side of the pool into my arms. I think every dad in the world has done that. Come on, you can do it. And she didn't have her floaties on and there was a look of terror in her eyes. And it was like, do I trust dad or do I trust my floaties? The floaties won out. I was there and I was waiting and there was no way in the world that I was gonna allow her to go under the water. We were only in like three feet anyway. So so she wasn't even gonna probably touch the water but I was sitting there saying, come on, jump. My, my father-in-law's favorite scripture was, they that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. These see the work of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. He talked about that quite a bit, about getting out from the shore and moving into the deep waters where God really works. You know, in the same, when, when he's talking about about. My daughter, and not and being a little fearful to jump in. The same is true with us spiritually. In, in, in Luke 18, there's a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus, and, and Jesus it has a conversation with him. And then during the conversation, uh, the young ruler said, Lord, master, teacher, what can I do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, well, you need to obey the commands and, and honor your father and mother. And he goes through a little list of things he needs to do. And the rich young ruler said, I have done those from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and said, you only lack one thing. He said, you've done well, but you only lack one thing. He said, go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the scripture says that that young man went away sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. Now it's not necessarily the fact that that he had wealth, it was the fact that the wealth was his floaties. The wealth was what he was putting his confidence in other than Christ. And I believe in in our lives that that we can get to the place that, that we put confidence in other things and allow something in our lives or something in this life to give us more security, false security, than what we would have if we put our faith and hope in confidence in Christ, that rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he just couldn't let go of his floaties and jump in the pool. see it 's a human condition uh, that we have that we do this, and, and, and a lot of us are, are guilty of it from time to time, and, and, and a lot of our world is we, we come to Christ, and when we come to christ we 're all in men we 're passionate followers of Christ and everything that we do is about him but then somewhere down the line there's an area or aspect of our life that we just have a harder time letting go of and the Lord is sitting there constantly and saying come on in come on in come a little deeper swim a little farther see what I can do with you see what blessings I have for you but we're fearful to lose whatever it is that we hang on to, whether it's finance or position or, or the things that we can see, the things that we can touch. It doesn't really matter. The important thing is that, that each and every one of us have things in our life. We, we replace our confidence in God with confidence in something else. God speaks to this in Matthew 6, 33. When he, when he tells us, he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you, food and clothing and, and, and shelter and protection. God knows that we have need of, of the material things of life, but Christ said uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you really want a secure life, you must primarily, not secondary, not tertiary, but primary, that you seek the kingdom of God. That the very first thing in our lives is a passionate commitment to Jesus Christ. That when we wake up in the morning, it's about serving Christ. When we walk through the day, it's about serving Christ. When we lay our head at night, we're praying, God bless those that are around us. That our life is consumed with following Jesus Christ with a passion and with a purpose. In... The, in, in Matthew 6:33, what I love about it he says that these things will be given to you as well or and I was looking at that, that passage of scripture that's that's a passive term it's going to be given to you you don't have it's not active that that you'll go out and earn it Jesus said if you really seek me with everything if you let go of the floaties and jump in because I'm sitting there saying come on and and, and Jesus is inviting us today you and I each and every one of us that are followers of him to say come on jump trust me trust me I will not let you down I will not let You go under, you will not drown, you will not be overwhelmed by the cares of this life if you put your faith in me. Let go of the things in your life that's hindering you from following me and jump in. I think priority is essential in this. I want to preach to you today about uh, placing your all on the altar. In the passage of scripture that we're going to read, we've been there for. A couple of weeks is found in 1 Kings chapter 18 there's a, there's a drought in the land because uh, Elijah the prophet was he was talking to God and God was talking to him and he said I want you to go tell King Ahab that, that I'm not going to allow it to rain for three and a half years and for three and a half years it didn't rain now, in Florida, we would kind of panic on that. That's everyday life in California. But it didn't rain for three and a half years, and the, and, and the crops weren't there, and, the, and this was an agricultural society, and, and they were trying to survive, and they, and they couldn't survive without rain. But the real reason why the drought was there was because King Ahab had allowed his wife to, to allow Baal worship, which Baal was the hierarchy of the pantheon of gods. And, and, and he was the God of thunder. He was the God of rain. And God himself said, I am the one that brings rain that nobody else or nothing else can do and take what I do for myself. And God was allowing the children of Israel to understand that that for three and a half years it wasn't going to rain because Baal couldn't make it rain. Baal had no authority. That floaty you call Baal, the one that you're putting your faith and trust in, will let you down. It will deflate. But I am the God of the heavens and the earth. And when I say it rains, it will rain. When I bring floods, it will flood. When I bring the downpour, it will be a downpour. But nobody else. But me. So here we are in, in this scripture, and it's just an amazing passage of Scripture. And then the prophets of Baal uh, they couldn't make it rain, and they were cutting themselves, and they were doing everything they could to, to make it rain, and they couldn't do it. So at the time of the evening sacrifice, that time in between daytime and nighttime, that that perfect time in the afternoon. Elijah says, come on Israel, and they rebuilt the altar. And then this is what the scripture says, and he put the wood in order, because it was a burnt sacrifice, and he cut the bull in pieces and laid him on the wood. Now this was a typical sacrifice. The bull was a sacrifice for sin. And what, what Elijah was doing was saying, Israel, we need to repent. We need to repent for following something or some other God and not following Yahweh. And He built the altar and He put the sacrifice on it so they could offer it to God for what they had done. Yesterday, uh, in our nation's capital, there were men and women that gathered together to offer repentance. For our nation. I believe that is a, a good thing to do. I think it's a needful thing to do. And I do believe that our nation, just because we say it's a, a Christian nation, doesn't make it so. The only thing that makes a nation Christian are the Christians, the passionate followers of Christ that live in that nation. So, so I believe that's a good thing. But, but Elijah didn't stop there. He said, I want you to fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it again. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it again. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar, and they had built a little trench, and it had filled the trench. Now, I've often looked at this, and I said, well, this is certainly Elijah... Letting everybody know that, that God could consume not only a sacrifice, but he can cause a fire when the wood's wet. But have you ever considered the, the idea, have you ever considered that, that what Israel was looking for, what they had looked to to bail for was water, was rain. And, and Elijah was saying, "You not only need to put the the bull on the altar, and you only you don't need to just put what you need to repent of on the altar, but you also need to put that thing that you trusted in more than God on the altar." I want to let that soak in for a moment. Let me ask you a question. What are you trusting in over God? The lack of rain was the result of Israel leaving God and trusting Baal to provide. The sin was not trusting in God, but the idolatry was a lack of of faith that God would provide. That's the reason why God says that I will not have any idols before me. Because an idol represents something that, that takes the place of God and God's provision and God's blessing. And God said, I will not tolerate a, a, an idol in your life. I will not tolerate a, an idol that will, that will take my place. So Elijah not only put the offering for for their sin and repentance, but he also put that thing which they needed that they had put their trust and hope in other things. And I know that in in our culture there are many issues that, that stem from from us walking away from God. And and you say, well, it was it good that we that we repented as a nation. And yes, I believe it is good that we repent as a nation. I believe it's good that we re- We repent as individuals, but I think we need to go a step beyond just saying, God, I'm sorry, God, I've turned my heart, but we need to also place whatever it was that we had a lack of confidence in God for and place that on the altar as well I don't believe that that we can just say God I I want you to forgive me but I'm still gonna trust in my government to to bring about morality but if your concern is about a moral nation then you need to place that on the altar and say God the only way that our nation can be moral it's through the presence and the power of the living God If you say God I'm sorry but you're still trusting in your in your riches and your prosperity comes from other things other than God, then I would encourage you to take whatever it is that you're trusting in and place that as well on the altar and say, God, I have an issue in my life that I have a lack of trust in you. I still have these floaties on. You're telling me to jump into the water. You're telling me to jump into your arms. And yet I'm holding on to this because I just don't trust you enough. And if we're going to return to God, if we're going to, we must offer to God our offering of sin and pour whatever it is that has been keeping us back from truly trusting in Him. I believe it's time to trust in God. I believe it's time to take God at His word. Let me try that. there you go we're going to go old school now I can do that I've always wanted to use two I mean I I would feel so good I could say Jesus saves random thoughts it's time to take God at his word we can trust God. We can trust God for our health. We can trust God for deliverance. We can, it's time to take the floaties off and to jump into the arms of the Lord because he is saying, come on. God will provide. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you. Not maybe, not can be, not 70%, not 50%, not 90%, but 100% of the time, if you seek God and His righteousness, then the things that you have need of will be given to you. In 1 Kings 17, after, after Elijah had told had told uh, Ahab, King Ahab, that it was not going to rain for three and a half years. God commanded him to go to a little brook, Cherith, and, and he stayed there, and the ravens fed him. But after a time, the, the, the river dried up, the creek dried up, and there was no more water. There was nothing for him to live on. So God tells Elijah to go to a city. And this is what he says in, in 1 Kings 17:9. It's really amazing. It said, go... At once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. If you read the story, Elijah comes into the city and, and there's a lady that's gathering twigs. Story tells us that she only has enough oil and flour to make a cake for her and, her and her son. And then after that, she's thinking, we're just going to eat this last meal and then we're going to, to die. And Elijah comes on the scene and Elijah asks her, said, Would you give me some water? And here's this widow, which the scripture says that she was commanded by God. Commanded by God. And if you look at the passage of Scripture, nowhere does it say that God spoke to her and gave her a command that this man's going to come by and you're going to take care of him. In fact... The scripture goes directly opposite of that, that, that when, he, she asked, when he asked for water, she gives it to him. But when, but when he asked for a cake, she said, I only had enough for my son and myself, and then we're going to die. She was in despair. She was in, in, in an anguish of mind. And, and Elijah said in, in so many words, do you trust me? Make me a cake. Go ahead. Give me what you have. Come on. Jump on in. And the woman's obedience, because she gave what she had. The scripture says, as long as the prophet was there, her oil never ran out and her flour never diminished. Wouldn't you love to have that oil jar? Well, we're going to use oil today. Whoop, there it is again. God provided for her in her struggles through her obedience knowing that, that you know here I am and I have nothing else and it looks like we're at the end of our road. It looks like we're going to, to just eat this last little morsel and then we're just going to starve to death. And yet here's God's provision and God said, I've commanded. In other words, I have directed her life and I have directed her your life and you're going to meet. And God's provision and, God, and, and your need equals enough. And this woman through obedience, through obedience and trusting in the Lord, took off her floaties and jumped in. Second Kings, Elisha. Elisha, the one that came after Elijah, had the double portion. In first, in in second Kings, there was a a widow that came to, to Elisha and he said, he said, man of God, you know that my husband loved the Lord and that he served him faithful and he was one of the prophets and he is dead. And now the creditors are coming to take my two sons and, and to put them in slavery to pay off the debt. And, Elijah, and Elisha looked at her and said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to all of your neighbors. And I want you to borrow as many empty vessels as you can. Get them from anywhere and everywhere. Get, Don't get a little, get a lot. Get as many as you can and bring them into your house. And when you bring them into your house, I, what I want you to do is take that, that, that pot of oil that you have and I want you to begin pouring it. And I want you to continue to pour until, you're, until all the vessels are filled. So the woman went and gathered all of the vessels and began to pour. Now, I don't know about you, but if I have a 16 ounce bottle of oil and I'm filling a 32 ounce crock and I keep pouring, And my 16 ounces keep staying 16 ounces. And I pour into this one, then I pour into this one, and then I pour into this one, and then I pour into this one. And the Bible says it kept flowing and flowing and flowing until every one of the vessels were filled, and then it stopped. And then she went and sold them all and paid off her debts. Let me ask you. What vessels do you need filled? Love, faith, health, strength, energy, finance. What, what is it in, in your life that, that, that you need to allow the, the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, the oil of God to be poured into your life? What is it that you're lacking that that God is sitting there saying, if you'll start, if you'll just trust me and start pouring, I will pour out blessing in all areas of your life? Because if you seek me first, if you dive in, if you take off the floaties of doubt and worry and fear and begin to pour the Holy Spirit into all areas of your life, I will bless you. What's keeping us? from diving in. I'm gonna ask our praise team to come back, if they would. And I wanna ask you again, what is it that keeps us from diving in? You, if there's 100 people, you'd probably get 100 different answers. But each and every one of us understand in our own lives, there is that part of us that really wants to be close to God. In prayer this morning, I was praying and and I was going through my normal routine of prayer and man, I just wasn't really getting anywhere. You ever do that? So I I got up and I was sitting at, at the desk and just with my eyes closed and I just felt like this little voice that said, turn off the Christian music. So I turned it off and I sat there in silence. I wasn't talking, I was listening. And the Lord began to remind me of when I came to him. and the passion and the joy of being completely surrendered to his will. Every aspect of life, God, it's yours, take it. doesn't matter. And I started going through in my mind's eye, I began going through my life and, and I found that I was wearing a pair of floaties. Would you stand with me? And as as I was just being reminded by the Lord's gentle touch that you're not trusting in me on this, that you have taken upon yourself in this one area of your life, you've taken upon yourself something that I'm going to do for you. And as the tears began to flow, I I was able to take that area of my life and say, God, I am so sorry because I, I really want to trust in you. And I was able to take it and lay it on the altar say, God, it's about you. That I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you first and then everything else. Everything else will be added by you. Martin Luther King said once that no one knows why they're alive until they know what they die for. It's in our death spiritual, uh, that, that, that we become alive spiritually, that when we surrender our life to him, that we become alive. I didn't really understood, uh, understand ha- who I was until I surrendered my life, until I gave my life to Christ, until I was buried with him in bat- baptism, that he began to show me who I really am and why I really live. And I believe that is true today, right now in this, in this church, in this sanctuary. That if you really wanna know your purpose for living, if you really wanna know why you're alive, if you really wanna know who you really are, then, it, then it's time that, that we trust in Him. And if you don't know Him, you need to trust in Him for salvation. For He said, He will not turn anyone away perhaps you've been walking with the lord for years and, and 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 you have trusted in other things if you've trusted in 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 other things for health and for your future and for and for whatever it may be in life if you're trusting in other things to provide for your family and and, and to and to ensure that that they follow christ i don't know what it is in your life but i am compelled today us that it's not just dying to self and placing our sin offering on the altar, but whatever we have had trust in to set it right there as well and say, God, I surrender all. So without fanfare, without begging and pulling of hearts, I'm gonna ask this church, God's people, that if you've been trusting in Him, but there's an area of your life that you've been trusting in something else, as Chad begins to sing this song, I wanna give you an opportunity to step out and make your way to an altar Say, God, I surrender all. Say, Pastor, can we do that? Well, it's scriptural, but we're also in phase three.